right. Good morning, church. Good morning, those of you who are here in attendance. So good to have people in the room. It feels amazing. Hopefully you're enjoying that as well. Good morning for those of you who are online joining us. Uh, we have several states that tune in on a regular basis, and so we're so glad that you're worshiping with us. We hope that you feel part of the community. Uh, if you go to our website and you click on Church Online, that'll take you to the chat feature uh, to be able to watch. And, and of course, you can always watch on YouTube as as well, but we really do want you to not just uh, attend the service, uh, much like we do here in the room, but to be part of the community because that's really where growth happens. So, so glad that you're here, praying for your weeks, praying for your days. I know a lot of you are going through a lot of difficulties, a lot of struggles, and we pray for you by name on a regular, regular basis. So if you're on our main platform of the chat feature, uh, there's a button there for prayer requests. If you have a prayer request, just hit it, throw your name on there, and uh, shoot us your prayer request. We'd love to keep you in prayer uh, throughout the week. So uh, we've been in this series that we're wrapping up this morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to find the book of Habakkuk. I'll give you time. Some of you are going to take some time to get there. It's in the beginning part of the Bible, the first half of the Bible. Uh, if you get to Malachi, go backwards about five books, you'll find the book of Habakkuk. And like I said, today is our last day. We've been on this journey. This is week four, where we've really been unpacking, and we believe with all of our heart that God has specifically led us to this book because what it's revealing is for the follower of Jesus, how do you follow? And more importantly, what is the condition of your heart when you don't understand what's going on around you? When you don't understand what's going on with the times, when you don't understand why there's violence, when you don't understand why there's heartache, when you don't understand why relationships are falling apart or, or jobs are lost or finances are tight, what do you do when you don't understand? So we've entitled this uh, series, I don't understand. And because uh, if we're really honest, if we get away from the churchiness of, of Christianity and we go really to the heart, we all at one point or another either utter those words or feel them in our hearts. I don't understand. And what I want to say to you is if you're here this morning or if you're tuning in online and you find yourself in that position where you're like, I don't get it. I know God is good, I know he's all powerful, I know he's loving, I know he's compassionate, but everything in my world doesn't look like him. Then you have a friend in Habakkuk. He understands, and more importantly, God understands. And my prayer this morning is that as we wrap this up, he meets you in that struggle. That God himself meets you in your pain, in your confusion, in your frustration, and give you some insight. And so today, we wrap this up in the closing passage for the book that bears his name. And in this passage that we're going to look at this morning, Habakkuk makes one of the strongest statements of faith in all of the scriptures. So this is a big one. Uh, and I don't say that lightly. I believe with all my heart, this is one of the strongest statements of faith in all of the Bible. So with that said, would you, if you're at home or if you're here this morning, would you please stand? Let's read the Holy Scriptures this morning. Set our hearts in the right direction and begin to kind of put ourselves in Habakkuk's place and, and position ourselves so that we can hear from God. Here's what he says in Habakkuk chapter 3, starting at verse 16. This is on the heels of him complaining before God, and then God responding to that complaint on what he is going to do. Habakkuk doesn't really like the answer, but he endures it, and here is his response to how he felt. Habakkuk says in verse 16, I trembled inside when I heard this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me and I shook with terror. But I will wait patiently for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. Here's the statement of faith. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, even though there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop 
fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flock die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. Let's pray together. God, we, um, we come to the scriptures uh, with expectation. We, we come to the scriptures as, as Christ followers, not to hear uh, man's wisdom, but to hear divine insight and truth. Because everything else fails us. The only thing that can give life, the only thing that can give direction, the only thing that can give peace is that which comes from the heavens. So as we uh, finish unpacking this book of Habakkuk, as we set our eyes to learn what he learned, my prayer is that you would make your way around this room, that you would speak to every single person, bring encouragement, bring strength, bring peace, bring understanding, bring comfort to those dear friends and family that are at home watching this, whatever conditions they might face in their own lives, would you set our eyes on the heavens? And in that, would you help us to find peace and hope? For that's our prayer. And we pray in the strong and powerful, loving name of Jesus Christ, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may have a seat. So the book of Habakkuk is all about faith in God Almighty. Uh, we covered that. We talked about it as the main theme verse in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. It says, the righteous will live not by sight, not by hearing, not by miracles, not by power. The, the righteous will live by faith. And, and when we look at that, every, everything else that's going on in this world that gives us some encouragement, that gives us hope, that gives us some strength, it might help momentarily, but it's fleeting. The thing that we live as Christ followers is we live by faith. So let's review where we've been very briefly so that we can have insight for today. God reveals to Habakkuk that his country is about to be invaded and pillaged and ransacked. The people are, are afraid that they're going to have fish hooks and be led around the city as captives. It is not good news that God gives Habakkuk. Everything that, that both Habakkuk, his friends, his family, the people he works with, the people he sees every day, all of that work is going to be destroyed. It's going to be torn down, and they're going to be left in pain. Everything's going to be gone. Now, that's a bad day. That's different. I think we would all agree. That's different if you have a bad day, you get stuck in traffic, so you're hurrying to work, and then you get a ticket because you're speeding, and now you have to deal. Like, that's a bad day. It is, but it doesn't compare to what Habakkuk is facing. You have a bad day at work. Things don't go well. It's chaotic. The computers are broken. People are late. And you're just like, oh man, that was an awful day. Or you have a bad day at school. Or you get a bad professor. Hunter and I were talking about just the ups and downs of, of going through college. You get a great professor. You get a horrible professor. You get a class that's super fun and that you enjoy. And then you get a class that makes you feel like you're drowning, right? Bad days happen. And that isn't to minimize all of that, but what we want to continue to wrap our mind around is how bad was it for the people that Habakkuk is associating with? And, and what we learn from Habakkuk is we're challenged to trust God when life is at its worst or when we don't understand why God is doing something or why he's not intervening. Both are equally important. You know this. You watch the news and you go, well, why doesn't God just put a stop to this? Why doesn't God just intervene? Why doesn't God throw his hammer down? Why doesn't God do this? Why doesn't God do that? Or why is he doing X, Y, and Z? And Habakkuk tells us when, when life is throwing you those curveballs, that's when you trust him even more. Because let's face it, it's pretty easy to trust God when everyone's healthy in your home, when finances are taken care of, you have plenty in the bank account, you, you just bought a new car, uh, the girl you asked out, the 10th one, finally said yes, so you have a date. Like, those are times when you go, praise the Lord, 
well, what about when nothing's going right? What about when it seems like every time I, I do what I'm told, I, I do what Pastor Brian says, and I lean into God, I pray, I read the scriptures, and it seems like things only get worse. What then? And that's what we're faced with in the book of Habakkuk. So what do we learn from Habakkuk? We're going to look at three things as we wrap this up on what do we do when life doesn't make sense and we don't understand. Number one, we wait patiently for God even when you're afraid. We wait patiently. Now, this is different than a couple weeks ago. Remember, we, we said when we don't understand what God is doing, we first pray and then we wait. Now it gives a clarifier on what that wait looks like. We don't just wait. We wait patiently. Well, what's the difference? Well, I'm going to guide your memory to the last time you were at the airport. And you have to go through security. Any of you fly a lot or used to fly a lot, right? You go through security. What is everybody doing in line in security? They're waiting. Now, it's very, very clear who's waiting patiently and who's not waiting patiently. You could even say who's acting like an adult and who's acting like a juvenile, right? So just because someone is late to the airport and they're on their way to see Aunt Ethel and they're going to miss their plane, they believe that they are more important than the other 500 people that are in line to get through security. And they make sure everyone knows how important they are. You've seen them. And then you see people who keep to themselves they slowly bring their luggage line and they wait patiently. Both are waiting. One's waiting patiently. You see, it's not enough to just say, well, when you don't understand what God's doing, just wait. Wait patiently. Look at verse 16. Habakkuk writes, I trembled inside when I heard this. In other words, my heart was pounding. I trembled inside. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me and I shook with terror. Make no mistake, Habakkuk is afraid. He's afraid of what the outcome is going to be. Now, some of that is because of the unknown, and you all know this. When you don't know how something's going to play out, that can jolt you. It's a little bit easier if you know where it's going. But when you don't know, when you have no concept of what God is doing, that can jar your insides. And this is what's happening with Habakkuk. God says that the coming invasion of the Babylonians is going to wreak havoc. And God describes the arrogance and the violence and the fear that is coming with these invaders in heart-wrenching detail in the first two verses. God doesn't pull any punches. He doesn't fluff it. He, he makes it very clear what is going to happen. And you can only imagine the fear that Habakkuk is feeling because he's not reading a newspaper. He's not reading a tweet. He's not reading an Instagram post. He is hearing from the God of all creation. This is going to happen. And he tells Habakkuk about the severe judgments that he would bring upon Babylon and all the nations that refuse to submit and surrender before the Lord Jesus. And Habakkuk is terrified that this is going to take place. So much so that his inside is trembling. His lips are quivering. His heart is pounding. He can't even stand because he's so scared. I, I'm going to ask you to go to a, a difficult place. Go with me to the last time you felt unspeakable fear. Maybe it was the pending death of a loved one that you're just waiting. Maybe it was the phone call of a bad car accident. For some of you, it was being told by a spouse, I don't love you anymore, I'm filing for divorce. Maybe for some of you, you've lost children for some of you, you find out uh, that you can't get pregnant or you get a horrible diagnosis. When was the last time you felt such fear you almost couldn't stand? I want to ask you, how do you deal with fear? Now, I'm not talking about fear like I'm afraid to go down into the basement because it's dark. I'm talking about internal fear that you can't even really put into words. 
What do you do when, when fear grips you in, in such a very real and tangible way that your heart is pounding, your legs give way, you, you try positive thinking, you, you try taking deep breaths, you, you try listening to Yanni, you do everything you can to like settle your body down. How do you exercise faith during the worst of times? Because that's the essence. Any of you that have been walking with God for any length of time know hard times happen. It's one of the greatest truths we can build into our children to know difficult times are going to come. Who is your rock? Is it another person? Is it a bottle? Is it a, is it a drug? Is it a distraction? Is it social media? What is your anchor when life gets hard? Or better yet, when you don't know where life is taking you. How do you exercise faith? And the Bible says, wait patiently. Look at the second half of verse 16. Yet all of this stuff's going to happen. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come upon the nation invading us. God had told Habakkuk that the Babylonians were going to invade. That's coming. There's nothing you can do about it. You can't stop it. You can't delay it. You can't ease it. It is going to happen and is going to be awful. And Habakkuk chooses to wait patiently on God. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if that would be me. I don't know if I was in Habakkuk's shoes and, and God were to tell me the exact same things that he told Habakkuk that I wouldn't get to work, that I wouldn't start storing up food and ammunition and uh, blankets and heaters and, and taking care of my loved ones and making sure I could do everything within my power to protect them. I'm not quite sure that my first response would be to wait patiently. We talked about this in the last few weeks. We don't like to wait. We especially don't like to wait if something bad's going to happen. We rise up. It's in our spirit. Now, the phrase wait patiently, if you're a note taker, and I hope you are, if, if you want to write this down in your Bibles, the, the phrase wait patiently comes from a Hebrew word meaning to rest or to settle down or remain. Notice that last one to remain. Again, how hard is it when you know something bad has happened or is going to happen for you, your first response to sit and remain. I would suggest to you that if we got in a better habit of, of living this way, we would probably make less knee-jerk reactions. We would probably not put our foot in our mouth as much as we do if our first response is to wait and be patient. This phrase is the same phrase that was used in the Ten Commandments where, where God says, rest on the Sabbath day. Remain as you are, rest. And here, Habakkuk determines to wait patiently as the, the doom is approaching. And he chooses to rest in the Lord. Did you know that the Bible has promises? Not everywhere, but there are absolute promises in Scripture and promises that give us peace when, when we have worries and, and fears and anxiety and depression and we just don't know where life is going. The, the Lord gives us absolute 100% promises. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. It'll be on your TV screen or here on person. It says this, do not be anxious about anything. You say, well, I, I am allowed to be anxious when I don't know how this friendship's going to work out or how this relationship's going to play out or if I'm going to get a job. Like, there are some major things in life I'm allowed to worry and have anxiety. Well, that's not what the scriptures say. The scriptures say, do not be anxious about anything. Notice it doesn't say that's easy. Notice it doesn't say it's a piece of cake not to have anxiety, so get with it. No, it just says don't go there. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
present your request to God. Here's the promise. And if you do those things, if you present those things to God, in other words, you choose not to carry them, you choose to lay them before the feet of Jesus, you choose not to carry that burden every single day, day in and day out, but you choose to bring it before the one who can do something about it, here is the promise. If you do those things, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's a promise. But what we often do is we go and go, look, God, you're not really doing anything, so I will. You're not stopping the bad thing that's happening, I will stop it for you. You're not intervening, so I'll intervene. I'll take charge. I'll make the statement. I'll put the post up. I'll make the confrontation. I'll send the email. I'll make the phone call. I'll have that argument because it, obviously you're busy doing heavenly stuff. And now we might never say that, but our actions often show that we take it upon ourselves to carry our burdens and our anxieties and our fears. It's what we do. It's better if we're honest about it. It's better if we say, man, I'm trying, but I'll be honest, I often just take it on myself. Great. God loves honesty. He loves to meet us right where we are. And if that's you this morning, just tell God that. I'm having a hard time handing this over to you because I feel like I can do it better. And you'll notice that there's a God with his arms open wide saying, I get it. I get it. Even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, if there's any other way for this to happen, there's a little earthliness there. If there's any other way, and yet I can't. It's not my will, it's your will. So whatever you think, and what does Jesus get? He gets a peace that allows his invaders to come and take him captive to the point where he says, Peter, put the sword away. I'm good. They're not taking it from me, I'm giving it. And that's Jesus. So how do you, how do, you do this? How, how do you continue to, to think about God in the worst of times and when you don't quite understand? We wait patiently for the Lord and we find rest in God, not ourselves. Number two, we choose to rejoice in God even when life goes wrong. We choose to rejoice. We choose to worship. We choose to cry out. We choose to join all of creation in its worship. We choose to join the angelic armies that are in heaven, that we will join with him someday. We choose to worship. We choose to rejoice even when everything around us is going awful. I think of Stephen as the rocks are coming in. And Stephen lifts, the scriptures say, lifts his gaze to heaven. And that's his perspective. As rocks hit his body and he is stoned to death. That's faith. Look at verses 17 through 18. Though the fig tree does not bud. Now, let me make a statement here. Some of this stuff you're like, okay, I've never seen a fig tree. I don't have sheep. I don't have figs. Like this stuff's a little outside of like my normal life. I get it. We're going to help you understand it here in just a second. But here's what he says. Though the fig tree does not bud and there's no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there is no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful, what? In God my Savior. In other words, I don't have much to be joyful in, so I'm going to be joyful in God my Savior. He hasn't changed. He hasn't left me. He hasn't turned his back on me. Everything else is failing around me. My God hasn't. And, and I would encourage you, underline these verses. If you like to highlight your Bible, if you're at home and you have your Bible open, run and grab uh, a yellow Sharpie, underline this, highlight it, circle it, put stars around it, because I believe this represents one of the strongest expressions of faith in all of the scriptures as Habakkuk determines, he is going to trust God when everything else in life is going wrong. 
this is where it really comes to a head. You see, it's easy, fairly, I'll, I'll preface it with that. It's fairly easy when you're in a worship setting and everything, everybody else is singing and hands are raised and you're feeling God's presence to go, man, I believe in you. I love you, Lord. I, I worship you. You're number one in my life. It's a little bit easy to do that in the church building. It's a little bit more difficult when you're sitting in the doctor's office or at a funeral home or comforting someone whose life is shattered. Though everything else is crashing around me, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Habakkuk paints three scenarios and each of these scenarios represents a couple of different images. So what I wanna do is unpack these three images briefly so that you can understand why this means so much to you. And, and I'm gonna encourage you, whether you're here in the room or you're watching online, have your Bible, get your Bible today or later on this week and take a look at each one of these visuals on how it means for your life. The first scenario is this, though the fig tree does not bud and there's no grapes on the vines, the blossoms on the fig tree and the grapes that are forming on the vine refer to the things that you're trusting for the future. This is brilliant how the Holy Spirit guided Habakkuk to write these words. These, the, the fig tree and the grapes, they focus on the things that you're trusting in your future. They're symbols of hopes to come. It's just a blossom just a flower, and yet it's a tangible sign that figs and grapes are coming. It's the things that you're hoping for. Uh, I'm hoping my kids turn out normal, right? I'm hoping for a job. I'm, I'm hoping I can retire someday. I'm hoping I have good health. I'm hoping my team learns to win again. Right? It's, it's things that we're setting our sights on in the future. But in this scenario, there's no sign of hope for the future. It would be as if I said to you, even though COVID will never leave us, even though you will never live without a mask, still I will trust in the Lord. You'd be like, whew, I don't know about that. It's what we're setting our sights on and what's coming. I, Hunter hopes to graduate. I hope to buy a house. I hope to be able to buy a car. Hannah and Will are engaged. I hope Hannah doesn't change her mind, right? Uh, it's hope, it's hope, it's hope. But here it's very clear the future hope is no good. There are no grapes on the vines. The fig tree is not going to bud. There are no visible signs that everything is ever going to come to good. So I wonder, do you have hopes for your future? We all do. I, I hope you do. I hope you're not just living in the present or the past. I hope you're thinking about the future, especially with COVID. I hope you're like, man, when this is done, I am gonna hug every person I know. When this is done, I'm just gonna go to Denver Airport so I can be around a lot of people. Like I just, there are things we want to do. We wanna travel, we wanna get together with friends and family. There are things that we have already set on our radar. When things clear up, I'm going to do this, this hope. But what about when there's no visible signs that any of that's ever gonna come to fruition? What then? Do you ever feel like looking at God and saying, look, please, just give me a sign. Just give me a tiny bit of hope on where all of this is going and how it's eventually gonna play out. Just a little bit. Will you please just give me that? If that's you, then you know how Habakkuk felt. And what Habakkuk received was not good news. And Habakkuk would tell you that when you have nothing to hold on to for the future, when, when there's not gonna be figs on the tree branches, when there's not going to be grapes on the vines that you're really hoping's going to happen, when that's not gonna happen, hold on to God and that's going to be enough. Habakkuk says, trust God no matter what. The second scenario is this. 
still in these verses. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. This refers to the things that you're trusting in in the present. So we just talked about what our future, and there's no hope in that. Now he's bringing up the present, and we're finding there's no hope in the present. In this scenario, what you're trusting on lets you down today. Your friend who you thought would always be there failed you. The friend group that you thought loved you and appreciated you just threw you to the side. The job that you thought you'd have for the rest of your life fell apart, now you're looking for a new job. The marriage you thought you'd grow old together, it broke apart, and somehow you find yourself divorced. Your kids who you thought were gonna be great kids are now wandering away and making horrible decisions. It's right here, it's right now. In fact, the word fails in the Hebrew is a word that means to deceive to, to, or to disappoint. this disappointment. And the idea is you have planted and you've cultivated the fields. You've done everything right. You've, you've parented right. You've made wise financial decisions. You've put others before yourself. You've cared for one another. You've looked out for those who have the least and, and you've poured out your love and attention for them. You've read the scriptures. You've prayed. You've raised your kids the right way. You've done everything that you think you should do. And yet, after all of that effort, all of it comes to nothing presently. And there's nothing, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. There's nothing that's giving you the hope that this ultimately is going to turn out good. In fact, the only thing that you can wrap your mind around is this isn't going to turn out well. God is good, but this is leading to doom. And a lot of you have been there. You understand this. You lose your job. You have no source of income. You invest all of your money in what seems like a killer portfolio and things go south and you've lost a ton. You put years into a relationship with person and then that falls away. You work your tail off for your grades and, and yet you don't get a good grade. That's life. It constantly happens to us. So what do you do when all of which you're counting on right here today seems to be falling apart and you just don't understand why? Habakkuk would say, trust in God. Hold on to him because he's the only thing that's not going to change for you. The third scenario is this. Though there are no sheep in the pen, most of you can relate to this one. Though there's no sheep in your pen and no cattle in your stalls, the sheep and the cattle refer to the things of the past. So notice what Habakkuk's doing. He's making sure he hits every angle. Not only does he not have hope today, he doesn't have hope today. He doesn't have hope on what happened. He doesn't have hope on what's coming. You can see why his legs are giving way underneath him. You can see why his lips are quivering. You can see why his heart is pounding because nothing's going right for him. He's having one of those horrible, very bad days. But it's not gonna end after 24 hours. They are symbols of your reserves. They're symbols of what you built up to lean on. But in this scenario, you have no reserves to fall back on. There is no savings account. There, uh, some of you moms and dads, you'll understand this when you get to the end of your day and you've uttered the words, I have nothing left. Any of you remember doing that? I, I do it a few times a day. I got nothing left. I have nothing in reserves. Like, I always tell uh, young couples who are going to get pregnant or are pregnant, I'm like, man, just store up as much sleep as you possibly can. I don't know if you can, I just, like, try. Store up as much patience. Storage, uh, store up as much you time and, 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 and sleep as you possibly can because these creatures that are born will rob you of all of it and you'll be left wanting. 
You have no reserves. This is Habakkuk. He, he's like, I wish I had something to fall back on, but there's no sheep in the pen. I saved up for a day like this. There's no sheep. There's no cattle in the stalls. I saved up for that. Your family and your friends, they've helped you as much as they possibly can. They've bent over backwards for you. Organizations have, have given you money. They, they've, they've assisted you. They've encouraged you. They've sent you text messages. Your credit cards are maxed out. Your physical strength is fully tapped. Your reserves are all messed up. You're exhausted and you don't have anything left. Some of you have been there or you know someone who has been there. And Habakkuk says, if you find yourself there, run to God. Sit and wait. Refresh yourself by being patient before the Lord as you wait. Habakkuk is determined from the outset from the very beginning of our journey in Habakkuk 1. Habakkuk is determined to handle this the right way. He wants to make the right decisions. He wants to position his heart in the right way. Even if he doesn't see visible signs of God's presence or his favor. Where would your faith be? No hope. No good news. Just struggle. One of my favorite biblical scholars is F.F. Bruce. I love his writings. He makes scripture come alive for me in story form. And here's what he writes. It is right and proper to voice appreciation of God's goodness when he bestows all that is necessary for life, health, and prosperity. But when these things are lacking... To rejoice in God for his own sake is evidence of pure faith. Habakkuk says that when you have no visible hope for your future, when all that you were trusting in for your present lets you down, and when you have absolutely no reserves to fall back on, everything that you put in place for such a rainy day as this has failed you, Habakkuk says, still rejoice in the Lord and be joyful. Why? Why be joyful? You can almost picture Habakkuk going, why should I? Why should I look at the cup half full? Why should I put on a smile? Why should I look at life better than what it is? The scriptures say because God is your Savior who will deliver you in his time and will not let the righteous fail. It's another promise. We find a similar instruction in the New Testament in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18, which says this, Be joyful when... That's a hard one, I get it. Be joyful when? Always. If anyone ever told you scripture is easy and following Jesus is easy, you got a bad deal. It's the best, but it's not easy. Be joyful always. Let me just pause for a moment because one of the blessings and the heaviness of a pastor is I know what so many of you are going through. And I don't want to lose you on this point. Because what you are dealing with right now does not seem to add up with those few words. In other words, you might be even screaming at the TV, maybe not verbally, outwardly, but inside maybe going, Brian, you don't get it. I can't be joyful always. You, do you realize what's going on in my life? And I may not. I may not understand it. I, I might not even know about it, but I do know the truth of the scriptures. I, I do know that the promises of what scripture gives to you and I is life-changing. 
even though you might do it with, with fists that are clenched, with tears running down your face, you find yourself trembling inside with terror and your lip quivering and your legs giving way, I know that God will meet you in that. And so the scriptures say, be joyful always, pray continually. That, that means, don't, that, that doesn't mean, hey, look, wake up in the morning, start right about seven and, and then take a break for lunch and, and then spend the second half of the day in prayer. What it means is live a lifestyle of prayer where you're just giving little bits of prayer on a regular basis. You're talking with God, almost like he's your co-pilot right next to you. You're talking to him. Give thanks in all circumstances. So I'm supposed to give thanks during the divorce. I'm supposed to give thanks because my kid is sick. I'm supposed to give thanks because I have a horrible diagnosis. I'm supposed to give thanks because a family member died. Look at it differently. It doesn't say give thanks on the circumstances. It says give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So how do you exercise faith in the worst of times during times of confusion or, or what life looks like currently? You wait patiently. You choose to rejoice in God even when everything in life is going wrong. And finally, you find strength in God to climb to the highest heights when you're down. Now I'm gonna encourage you to think of yourself as a deer. Not where there's hunters, okay? Just if you're a deer, all right? Look at verse 19. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on heights. Habakkuk had learned to find strength in God, not in his own resources, not in his own abilities, not in his strength and who he knows, but he found his strength in God. The thought of what was to come scared him so much that his heart pounded and his legs gave way beneath him. Yet, as he rejoiced in the midst of difficult circumstances, he found something. He found a new strength from God to deal with his trial ahead. A, a new strength. So think of it this way, when, when, when the worst of life throws something at you and you find yourself going, I have nothing left, I have nothing to deal with this, think to yourself, that means God's going to give me something I don't have right now. That means he has something to give me so that I can address what's going on right now and I don't have that, so I'm gonna praise him because he is the one who can give it to me and then I'm gonna wait patiently for it because I know he's going to give it to me. It's a different angle. So what does strength look like? It says, God makes my feet like the feet of a deer. Don't think of the hooves part. They're kind of disgusting. Just think of what the feet can do. He enables me to go on the heights. Habakkuk uh, very eloquently and, and, and very beautifully paints this picture of a female deer running on the heights of the mountains, steady-footed, sure, Sure-footed, uninhibited, unafraid, full of freedom, full of confidence as she scales the heights of the mountain. Let me ask you a question. You ever seen a deer, a deer trip? Anyone? You have, Michael? Anyone else? Way to ruin my analogy. What? Oh, jeez. All right. Not very often, except for Michael, who's so special. Most of us have never seen the deer trip. In fact, you can see them sometimes going straight up a mountain, and you're like, they're like Spider-Man deers. Their feet know where to step. Uh, death and danger is all around them. One false step, they could fall off the cliff, and yet they just go right up and, and without falling, except for Michael's. They're sure-footed, they're confident, they're steady, they have peace. 
What this helps us understand is the question you have to answer. When life is confusing, when you don't understand why things are happening, when you don't understand why God's not intervening, do you trust him to, to take you to the higher places of God? Then find your strength in him alone. Find your strength in God. Trust God to lift you up when you're down, to set your feet on the right path. Let's get ready to pray if you'd bow your heads with me. If you're in the room or, or you're at home, I invite you just to, just to sit for a moment because this question of how do we exercise faith during the worst of times when life's just doggone hard. We wait patiently for the Lord, even when we're afraid. We choose to rejoice in God, even when everything in life is, is just going not the way we thought it would go. We find strength in God to scale the heights of difficulty, even when we are down. Notice nowhere in the scriptures does it say, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, work harder, find that inner strength and fortitude and, and adjust and overcome. No. That's not it. So we've reached this end of the journey together through the book of Habakkuk, this, this beautiful, wonderful book. Habakkuk's journey mirrors for many of us our own journeys. We saw that Habakkuk began his journey just with a lot of questions before God. Do you care? Are you even there? Are you fair? But instead of running away from God with those questions, with those fears, we find Habakkuk running to God and then finding the answers. It's a beautiful journey and one that is open to all who call upon the name of the Lord to be their savior, to be their king, to surrender and submit before him with their questions and seek him with all of their heart. And here's, here's the lasting promise to leave you. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Your heart may be broken this morning. Your heart may be confused, distracted. Whatever heart you have left, friends, Pick the crumbles of that heart up and carry that heart of stone for some of you. Carry that broken heart before the throne of God and watch. Because the scriptures so are so abundantly clear that if you seek him with your whole heart, you will find him. And so wherever you may be on your own personal journey from doubt to faith, let me encourage you, keep seeking God. Keep coming to him with your doubts and your questions and your hard moments. And in that, because you approach the Prince of Peace, you will find peace. Let's pray together. Father, in a world of heartache, in a, in a world of frustration, in a world of confusion, in a world of distraction, in a world of temptation, 
in a world that, that offers us so many solutions and yet very few that stick. As Christ followers this morning, we declare we will praise you. That if you allow life to, to look uh, in, a, in a way that we would never hope for or plan, we will praise you. If you bless us, if you take care of us, if you provide for us, we will praise you. If life is confusing and hard and disruptive and sad and gut-wrenching, we will praise you. We might come kicking and screaming. We might come with tears falling to the ground, but we will praise you. We will join with all of creation. We will join with all that is in heaven, all of the angels, all of the elders, all the believers. We will praise you. And so I ask, humbly, God, I ask right now for my friends, my family, for people all around the United States that are tuning in, right now, would you comfort them in a way that only you can do? Would you lift their chin to the heavens as a loving father? Wrap your arms around them. Give them assurance that you are still on the throne worthy to be praised. And then give us the courage and the boldness and the strength to open our mouth to praise you. King of kings, Lord of lords. And where that is most difficult and where we open our mouth but nothing comes out because we're quivering and shaking and tremoring in fear. and we're seemingly silent, would you meet us even in that worship? For we love you. And we praise you because you are worthy to be praised. We have opened the scriptures, we have prayed, we have, we have talked all underneath your umbrella of goodness. So please hear us now as we give it back to you. In the name of Jesus Christ. We pray. Amen. Would you please stand?